What's up, Hawks fans? Welcome to another episode of Sweater Weather, Chicago Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Luke, joined once again by Abe. How's it going, Abe? Feeling good. Good, good. Um, I got no video game stuff to talk about this week. I played a little bit more in Neo, but not that much. Um, Apex Legends came out. <coughs> yeah. The makers from the makers of Titanfall. Yeah. Pretty good game. Good, good. Definitely good. fun to play. Very nice. It's the thing I like about it is that it's it's pretty fast paced, but it also like I've noticed. Mm-hmm. My friends and I like we play more aggressively than as if we were playing like Fortnite or um, Blackout yeah. on Call of Duty. Okay. But yeah, it's a fun game. Nice. Totally recommend it. Nice. And it's free. So then on top of that, one thing we found out is we just found out this morning that apparently, if free to play games, you actually don't even require like Xbox Live or PlayStation Plus to be able to play those games online. So. If you're one of those people that don't pay for the subscription and you want to play like Fortnite or Apex, give it a go. It's completely free. Good enough. Good enough. Actually, I did do other. Uh, I did do one other thing, uh, video game related. I've been playing. Uh, I'll play. I'll play one game. I'll have a game that I'm like seriously invested in, and then I'll play some NHL 18. I was working on my be a pro career. I did. Uh, I played a season with the Erie Otters. I got drafted by the Anaheim Ducks. Not about that life. So I requested a trade. Got traded to um, Minnesota Wild, which is fine. Uh, I don't mind the Wild. <clears throat> and uh, when I got traded, they were like, I don't know, 10 points out of a playoff spot or something with like 20 games left in the season. So um, I saved their season single-handedly uh, hmm. because, you know, anytime you play a sports game like that, your character is always the best character in the entire league because that's how you do it. Um, we made the playoffs in, like, the second wild card spot. Uh, we beat the Jets and the Blues in the first two rounds. And then in the third round, I did something stupid. It was, like, the last game against the Blues. Um, I, was, I was going into the zone, and uh, uh, it was called offsides. But I didn't realize it was called offsides. And there's like a second after the call is made before they stop you from playing where you still have control of your character. And I took a shot on goal. And uh, the other team interprets that as very disrespectful. And they will fight you. So they fought me. And I suck at fights in that game. So I lost. And then they told me that I was injured. So. (laughs) Yeah. So we went on to the conference final. Uh, we played the Sharks. I was injured for the first three games. We lost all three of those games. So now I was like, fuck, now I have to reverse sweep the Sharks like the Kings did in the first round in 2012. And it was going all right. We, uh, we won games four, five, and six. Forced a game seven. And then game seven was a fucking blowout loss. And uh, so, yeah, that put an end to my season. Hmm. All because I took a shot on goal during an offside call. That's funny. Yeah. So, <clears throat> uh, learn from my mistakes, kids. <clears throat> Respect okay. the rules of the game. Respect the rules of the game. Be, don't be a dick, uh, like me. Okay. That's a so, good life. That's a good life tip too. Don't be a dick. I should take my own advice, right? Um, okay. So let's dive into the news. There are 
Let me count seven news items today. Uh, so number one comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, the Blackhawks will open the second half of the season with rookie defenseman Henry Yokiharu in the minor leagues. The team has reassigned Yokiharu to the Rockford Ice Hogs this morning before, before flying to Buffalo for the afternoon's practice. The Hawks had a surplus of defensemen going into the All-Star break, and Coach Jeremy Carlton made Yokiharu a healthy scratch against the Capitals last Sunday. They have been expecting defenseman Gustav Forsling back from an upper torso injury soon. Uh, he's actually back already. I this is this is from like a two like a, a week or two weeks ago or something like that. Uh, and I just copied and pasted it from the article in the Sun Times. So some of this stuff is uh, a little outdated. But uh, Yogi Haru has played thirty seven in the Hawks, fifty one games, and has no goals and twelve assists in the NHL. Um, so this was kind of a strange move, uh, because. You could probably argue that Yoki Haru is one of our best defensemen up to this point. Uh, some of the excuses... Ah, excuses is maybe um, a provocative word. But some of the, the reasoning that Colleton gave for uh, Yoki Haru's demotion was that uh, he was... Uh, they wanted him to play more minutes. They wanted him in, those, in more situations, you know, power play, uh, PK... Uh, more five-on-five. Five. They wanted him playing top-pairing minutes. Uh, the funny thing about that, though, is that the reason he wasn't playing in those situations is because Colleton had cut his limits and, like... Or, uh, excuse me, had cut his minutes, and um, uh, it seemingly, seemingly, like, arbitrarily reduced his playing time. They also, you know, they sent him to... Uh, uh, they loaned him to Team Finland for the World Juniors, and so, so I'm I'm a little confused by exactly what motivated the decision to do this. Maybe there's some stuff behind the scenes that, like, we were not seeing that they were. What do you think? I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely weird. I one of the things that I was thinking, and I mentioned this to you <clears throat> when we were talking about it before that maybe they sent him down so they can showcase the rest of the defensemen as potential trades for the trade that upcoming trade deadline. That could make sense. Um we did we did talk on the last episode about the possibility of the Blackhawks trading Eric Gustafson. Uh it remains to be seen if they'll actually pull the trigger on that, especially considering where they are in the standings now, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um uh, I, I don't know. Uh, Carl Dahlstrom has been having a, a pretty good run lately. Uh, so, you know, he's going to compete with Yoki Haru for minutes there. Uh, you've also got Gustav Forsling, who just came back, who has not had a remarkable season up to this point. But he's, you know, he's still on the Hawks roster. He's not the one who got demoted to Rockford. So, yeah. I don't know. It's it's a little unclear, um, but I I do hope that they, I assume that they know what's best for him and that they are being extra cautious with his development because Yoki Haru is going to be a pretty big piece of this team for years to come. Mm-hmm. Number two, the Blackhawks have won six consecutive games, making this the longest winning streak since they won seven straight between February 19th and March 4th in 2017. 
The longest prior winning streak this season was three games between December 18th and December 21st. <clears throat> okay, so between between the Hawks winning six straight, including uh, beating the Islanders, who are red hot right now, and um, the rest of the West, other than you know like the the top heavy teams like uh, like Nashville and Winnipeg and Calgary and San Jose, Vegas. Everyone else in the West is just like super mediocre, and the uh, the the wild card race is just is kind of you know a, tor a tortoise race at this point. Uh, so the stars have all kind of aligned, and now the Blackhawks are back in it. They're also playing probably the best hockey that they played all season. Mm -hmm. uh, so the last time they won anywhere close to this was during the. 16-17 season before they got swept by the Predators when they won seven straight. Uh, I think I think at one point, I think last season their longest win streak was three or four games. It's been a while since they were... Yeah, they haven't had a big winning streak in a while. Yeah, it's been a while since they were this good. Uh, and they're not even really that good right now. Last season sucked, is what I'm saying. Um... So yeah, now the Hawks are back in the mix to maybe make the playoffs. And uh, it's going to invoke some interesting questions regarding the trade deadline. Um, <coughs> I, I, I do want to talk more about the trade deadline, but I've got some I got space for that later. <coughs> Although, like I don't see it in your notes here, but just mentioning too, like right now. Like, I know we'll talk about it, but just to mention real quick mm -hmm. about the whole, like, now we're in the discussion again of possibly making a wild card. Then you also have the whole Miko Koivu missing the rest of the season for Minnesota, which yeah could really help us as well. Yeah, that's, that's going to hurt Minnesota, and it's probably going to help the rest of us, uh, especially since that's one of the teams that we have to leapfrog to get back into the... Wild card race. Actually, are we ahead of them right now? No. No, they are... They are six points ahead of us. Hmm. And we are two points behind St. Louis. And those are the two wild card teams right now. Okay. Moving on. Number three. In the last 20 games, beginning on December 18th, the Blackhawks' power play has capitalized on an astounding 39.1% of its opportunities, the best in the league during that time span. The second best power... I put power plan, but it should be power play. The second best power play during that span was Boston with a power play percentage of 29.7. So we're 10% better than the second best power play, which is incredible. I think we owe a lot of that to, uh, to not only Jeremy Colleton... Uh, not only Jeremy Colton and his staff getting out of uh, the old formation. Yeah, it's it's a couple of things. I, I think we've talked about the the power play uh, a couple of times in the past month, so we don't have to um, we don't have to uh, go back into that too much. But um, it's I think part of it is that uh, with with Q, there was a lot of leaning on veterans 
So he'd give those big minutes to guys like Keith and Seabrook, who really can't play those big minutes anymore. Um, and then in addition to that, uh, Q stuck to the traditional three forwards, two defensemen on the power play, whereas Colleton has switched to the uh, the more popular these days format of four forwards, one defenseman. And that one defenseman is, uh, at least on the top unit, is uh, Eric Gustafson, who defensively is not great, but offensively has proven to be quite the powerhouse. Uh, now, I don't think that they can maintain 40% on the power play forever. They're going to regress at some point. Oh, yeah. But it's pretty impressive what they've been able to do and how far they've come. Before that December 18th cutoff, they were last in the league at like 11% or something on the power play. Mm -hmm. Just that massive turnaround is just astounding. Does it, did you see what their number, like what, like after considering what their overall percentage is right now? No. Power play wise? No. See if I can find it. I'm sure it's somewhere in the middle, like 23% or something. Um, number four, just put that timestamp. I, I don't even use these timestamps anymore. I get too lazy and then I don't even put them in there. Uh, number four, Corey Crawford practiced with the team for 23 minutes today at uh, a morning skate, which is a huge step and could indicate that he is not far from returning to the lineup. Um, now this, uh, this actually does mean today. Uh, today is Saturday, February 9th. Corey Crawford practiced with the team for 23 minutes during the morning skate. He was, uh, he was taking some shots. He was working with uh, Jimmy Waite for like 20 minutes before practice started. This is a positive sign. I want to say that he was doing this. He was about at this, you know, timelines are different for every concussion. Um, and they're different for every person. But he was doing this. He was at about this phase, I think, the beginning of October. And he ended up returning like mid to late October. So, uh... We could maybe... I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him return to the lineup before the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good news, but... Like, you know, at the same time, I would almost feel like... If he comes back, maybe have him play him the second night of a back-to-back. If yeah. anything. Just because I would continue writing Delia as far as he can right now. Especially the win streak they're on. Yeah, it well. So the thing is, though, if Crawford comes back, Delia's gonna have to go to Rockford. Yeah, because true, because Ward. Yeah, because of Ward, no movement. Yeah, um, at that point, though, if if you've got Crawford and Ward, then I say probably give most of the starts to Ward, or like half the starts to Ward. I wouldn't pushed Crawford too much considering what he's been through the past year and mm-hmm. change. Uh, you really got to think about Crawford's health. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, still, though, if if Delia gets sent down to Rockford, he could be playing, you know, the majority of those games, getting like 60 or 70% of those starts too, so that'll still be good for him. Number five. This one comes from Sports Illustrated. Uh, Not Hawks-related, but maybe relevant to the Hawks. 
During his first ever interview in English, Artemi Panarin told reporters that he will test free agency this summer. The Blue Jackets' leading scorer has been unwilling to negotiate a contract extension with the Blue Jackets. Panarin's previous agent, Milstein, uh, I think it's Dan Milstein, had recently issued a statement saying that the star forward wouldn't discuss a new contract with the Columbus Blue Jackets until after the season. Panarin explained to reporters Friday why he has decided not to do so before the league's February 25th trade deadline. Quote, it's one life, one chance for free agency, and I want to test free agency, end quote, Panarin said. Quote, the Blue Jackets have a chance to sign me, but we'll see what happens in the summer. I still want to consider this season and help the team win a Stanley Cup, end quote. The 27-year-old added that he doesn't yet know where he wants to go after the Columbus, after Columbus, but fans have already started trying to convince him to stay. A Columbus-based distillery offered Panarin free vodka for life if he extends his contract with the team and stays in Ohio. Quote, seriously guys, I don't have a team, end quote, he told reporters, quote, not one team where I want to go, but I have many teams. We'll see what happens in the summer, but right now, I don't know what I want, end quote. <coughs> so this, uh, that was the text from the Sports Illustrated article, but I actually found out about this because I follow, um, uh, I follow Brian Hedger on Twitter. He used to write for the Hawks. Now he writes for the Blue Jackets. Um, I guess what happened was uh, they found out that Panarin had fired his old agent, uh, Dan Milstein. Milstein, I don't know. Uh, the day of uh, the day of a game, like the morning of a game, uh, before morning skate, fired him over the phone. He hired. Uh, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky's agent to represent him moving forward. When they went to question him about that, he ducked into this like inaccessible room in the Vegas visiting locker room. He emerged, he held up his phone and he had like a translated message that said, basically, I forget what it says, like what the actual uh, wording was, but it basically said, uh, yeah, I fired my agent. I, I got this this new guy. He's good. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Um, he did his interview in English here where he confirmed that he does not want to... Uh, he does not want to sign with a team before uh, free agency starts this summer. He wants to explore free agency and, I guess, see what kind of money he can make. And I don't blame him at all. Yeah, it's just a matter of wondering how much money he's going to be looking for. Mm-hmm. Because realistically, I feel like the Hawks have a good chance of bringing him back if the price is right. I feel I feel if they can get him around like seven and a half, eight, would be. I feel like it could be reasonable for the Hawks to try to get him for that price. If he's willing to take a discount. But there's a good chance he's going to be looking around nine and a half, ten and a half million. Yeah. Um, the, I, I don't think we should get our hopes up too much that he'll be returning to Chicago. It sounds like he really does want to cash in and make a lot of money. Uh, which, again, I don't blame him for. He's a very talented player. He deserves to make a lot of money. Um, but... Uh, if he's gonna be asking for probably north of ten million, uh, so if he 
if he's approached by Stan Bowman and he tells Stan Bowman that his price is 11, 12 million, then Bowman's got to say no because you can't just, it's really not wise to tie up like 33,000 or like $33 million amongst three players on one roster. Um, Panarin is, he's probably going to sign with a team that is lacking their like core generational talents, their, their $10 million guy. Um, Nashville. <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> I, I think, I don't know if Nashville can afford him. Yeah. I, I mean, I've heard rumors that Nashville is going to go after him as a rental. But I don't know that they could afford him long term. Because, yeah, yeah, again, he's going to ask for north of $10 million. And I think, I, I want to say that I looked at their cap situation recently. They probably, I think they have like $75 million ish, somewhere in that neighborhood. Even if there's like an expensive, like pending UFA that they could just let walk, it's not likely that they'll be able to afford him without going right up against the cap. Uh, or moving some other pieces around. Uh, I also really don't want to see that happen. I don't think a lot of Hawks fans want to see that happen. Hell no. <laughs> it seems like he likes Miami a lot. I keep seeing pictures from his Instagram of, uh, from Miami. Oh, yeah, him on the beach and whatnot. Yeah, that's true. I, I actually joked on Twitter the other day that he's going to sign a, a two-year, $20 million contract with the Panthers, and then the Hawks are going to get him uh, at the trade deadline in 2021, and it's going to help us win the Stanley Cup. That wouldn't be a bad idea. No, not 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 bad at all. Although the likelihood of him actually signing just a two uh, just a two year deal is pretty unlikely. Uh, I mean, he's twenty seven. If he signs with another team in free agency, the max he can do is seven years, which means it'll be done when he's like twenty. No, when he's like thirty four, mm-hmm. thirty five. Which uh, at that point is right around where players tend to start declining, so... Yeah. So, this... He's at that age where he wants that... that big contract. Yeah, he wants that big, long, expensive contract because it's... That's the most money that he's ever going to make. So, I think it's probably a good idea for him to test free agency at this point. I mean, it really sucks for Columbus. It puts them in a bad spot. And then, uh, Jarmo Kekalainen, their general manager, he's going to have to decide if... He's going to sell Bob and Panarin at the trade deadline and, you know, go all in on this team's future. Or if he's going to treat them as like like a, like an own rental mm-hmm. and then just go for the cup. But I think anyone with eyes can see that Columbus is not likely to get very far, especially in the East, which is very strong this year. Yeah. The other thing that would be a possibility is sell them, get as much as you can, and then try to re-sign them. That's not a bad idea either. Uh, although, I I mean, uh, Panarin was asked directly if he would consider signing again with Columbus in free agency. And... Uh, you know, he kind of gave non-definitive, vague answers, but if you read between the lines, it sounded like it wasn't really something that excited him too much. Right. Um, it sounds like he he maybe does want to go to a different market. Mm-hmm. Or he wants to go to the beach. 
yeah. in Miami. I mean, Chicago's got some nice beaches in the summer. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to have him back, but he'd have to take a big discount. Although, if we can get him, like, two or three Stanley Cups during that time, maybe it's worth it. Yeah, or um, I have a good I got, I have a good idea. Yeah. Giordano's, Lou Malnati's, like, all these big places just sponsored the hell out of it <laughs> to make up all the money he's... To make, yeah, to make up the difference. <laughs> there you go. And what do you get from a contract? Yeah. Moving on, number six. This comes from Second City Hockey. David Camp will miss three to four weeks from suffering a right foot injury during the Blackhawks 6 2 win Tuesday in Edmonton. The team announced Thursday. God, I just like that was, this, I, that was this week, so. Yeah, it, it was. But I, no, I just, I, like, I suck at reading things at the right cadence. <laughs> um, uh, Scott Powers of the, of the Athletic reports that the injury is a small broken bone in his foot. Camp blocked one shot, had one hit, and won 60% of his face-offs in only 5 minutes and 30 minutes of ice time across nine shifts in Chicago's fifth straight win. He did not play after the first period and was the lone forward not to score a point in the game. That's actually really interesting. Well, if he was only off for five and a half minutes, that makes sense. Especially if he left injured. Right. I'm not, I'm saying, I'm not saying it's surprising he didn't <laughs> oh, score. The, oh, the I'm fact saying that everyone else like scored. Everyone else scored. Um... Blackhawks head coach Jeremy Cotton said there are currently no plans to recall a player from the AHL and the team will have 12 forwards and 7 defensemen. The timetable for Camp's return is after the February 25th NHL trade deadline and could see him back as early as March 2nd at Los Angeles. So, uh, did, did he get hurt blocking that one shot? Or did he get hurt taking that one hit? <laughs> or taking those face-offs? I don't know. We'll never know. Although, foot bones are very tricky, is the problem, too. I guess you know. You did have to memorize all the bones or something. Well, no, not even just that. Just from, like, even experience. Like, when I fractured my ankle, it took way longer than the six to eight weeks my doctor told me. Oh, really? Only because I was on my feet all the time at work. It took me, like, 12 weeks to feel back. Like, finally be back to, like, 100%. Yeah, I remember that. But no, even like football, it's just <coughs> like because they're so small and stuff, those things can be really tricky to heal. I believe it. Number seven. This also comes from Second City Hockey. Antoine Vermette, who won the Stanley Cup in 2015 with the Blackhawks, announced his retirement from the NHL on Thursday after 14 seasons. Chicago acquired Vermette in exchange for defenseman, tell me if I'm mispronouncing this, Klaus Dalbeck. I think that, that sounds right. And a 2015 first round pick from the Coyotes on February 28, 2015. Vermette, a pending unrestricted free agent, tallied only three assists the rest of the regular season. After being a healthy scratch for the first two playoff games, the center shined by scoring four goals with three assists and winning 58.9% of faceoffs. He tallied three game-winning goals during the playoffs, game four in double overtime against the Ducks in the Western Conference Final, and games four and five, excuse me, games one and five against the Lightning in the Stanley Cup Final. So I didn't realize until I, I, I did this that he had three game-winning goals. Yeah, he was very In critical the to, to the Hawks winning that 2015 Cup. Only three assists the rest of the regular season, but three game-winning goals in the playoffs. That is clutch. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's awesome. That's uh, good for him. Uh, hell of a career. And uh, it was nice that we got to help him win a Stanley Cup, and he got to help us win a Stanley Cup. Yep. 
Uh, so that's it for the news. We'll be right back after this from word uh, from our sponsor. Okay, so let's dig into some rumors. Uh, we've got uh, we got three items here. Uh, number one comes from Scott Powers of the Athletic. The Blackhawks appear to be willing to trade John Hayden and are receiving interest in him, according to a league source. Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman recently touched on Hayden in his 31 Thoughts column. Hayden, a 23-year-old winger, has two goals and one assist in 35 games. He also has a 45.94 Corsi percentage and a minus 9 goal differential in 5-on-5 play. He's been on the ice for 7 goals for and 16 against. He does have one of the team's lowest offensive zone starting percentages at 44. Quote, he'll have interest, end quote, the league source said. Quote, he's a physical presence. He has some skill. He gets to the net and plays hard. He can play a bottom six role. He can be useful for a team, end quote. The source believed the Blackhawks are seeking a prospect or draft pick for Hayden. Uh, Hayden's one of those guys who kind of who's kind of frustrating because you watch him and you you see the potential there for him to be like a like a really solid power forward. Uh, but he's just all his stats are just kind of mediocre. Yeah, like it reminds me of the Nick Schmaltz situation. I wonder if he just needs a change of scenery as well. It could be. And, I mean, I like him. Like, I remember when he, his rookie season that he came in, he was just, like, tearing it up. Aggressive, his aggressive play style, he was a bit of an enforcer for the team and everything. And it's, like, I wanna, it was exciting. I want to say he scored a goal in his first game with us. He didn't score that many goals, but he scored a goal in his first game with us, I think. I'm pretty sure. Um, he he was productive in some way in that first game. Um, and uh, I think it maybe set expectations a little higher than they should be. Mm-hmm. At least for me. Um, but, yeah, yeah uh, he. if we can get something for him, then maybe we, you know, we can get something for him. My guess is he'd be worth a second rounder. <clears throat> really? That, that high, you think? Yeah. I, I, mean, think, I, think, I think if a team is desperate, they... Hawks can probably get out, get out a second rounder for him. I mean, that would be great, but remember that like, like a late second. I remember last year at the trade deadline, we traded Tommy Wingles for a fifth. That's although, true. although Wingles was older. Yeah, that's true. Um, we also traded Ryan Hartman for a first. I mean, there's some other stuff in that trade, but it was basically Hartman for a first. Mm-hmm. I feel like John Hayden is he's probably closer to Wingles than um, Hartman. I'm actually surprised that Hartman got a first. Yeah, no, that's right. <clears throat> like, I, I, feel, I feel the Hawks can get a second out of him. Realistically, yeah. it'll probably be a third or fourth, but... Yeah, I... <clears throat> yeah we'll see. Uh, it, it seems a little weird for us to flip Hayden for a pick or a prospect... It comes across to me, like, if you go and you buy a dollar lottery ticket, and then you win a dollar, and then you're like, I guess I'll buy another lottery ticket. <laughs> oh, that's a good comparison. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that he necessarily fits into, like, long-term plans here. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay, I'm just com- completely randomly off topic, but... 
I have my Trader Joe's bag right next to me, and I'm, I'm looking at it, and there's a star on it, and it's really annoying me that the top point of it is not closed. I mean, do you want a pen? I can get you a pen <laughs> and close that. But anyways. Um, okay. Uh, second rumor here. This one comes from Pierre Lebrun, and... Um, by the way, Pierre Lebrun and Elliot Friedman are like the two like foremost uh, like sources when it comes to leaks and stuff in this league. So uh, they're like the gold standard of NHL leaks. Uh, this comes from Pierre Lebrun. Uh, the Blackhawks will allegedly approach Duncan Keith about waiving his no movement clause in order to trade him to a contender. Lebrun said, "Quote: I find it hard to believe that Duncan Keith would switch teams, but I will tell you this: the Hawks will go to him right before the trade deadline and say." What do you want to do? He's a full no-trade clause. Four years on his deal at $5.5 million. End quote. <clears throat> I say why not? Let's go into number three and then talk about both of them. Possibly? Or do you want to... Nah, let's just go on Dunkey. So, I, I, I have mixed I feelings about this. So, I didn't put it in here, but uh, he was asked about this, and he said that no one's approached him yet. Right. That was maybe a week ago. <clears throat> so, I have mixed feelings about it. Um... I mean, granted, it would possibly be easier to move Keith than Seabrook, mm -hmm. but only because his deal is a little more friendlier than Seabrook's hit. But I, I don't like like I like Seabrook said, which we'll get into. But Keith, I don't see him waving his movement clause either. Because, I mean, he's been with the Hawks. He got drafted by the Hawks, and he's been with them ever since. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty sure he's going to want to stay and retire a Blackhawk. Yeah, I, I think Keith will probably want to stay. Uh, it, they're, like, free, uh, excuse me, like LeBron said, there are four more years on Keith's deal. It is a team-friendly contract in that it's, uh, it's one of those situations where he signed it for, like, uh, it was worth a lot of money, but he signed it for like a hundred years. So we're we're in the it, it, the salary is front loaded too. So we're getting to the back end of the deal where he's actually his actual salary is less than his cap hit. So if you were to send him to a team that is uh, near the cap floor, I think that would be um, that would be a compelling offer for them. But I don't know that Duncan Keith would want to waive his. Uh, no movement clause. Like, if he did waive his no movement clause, I don't think he would waive it for, say, like an Arizona or a Carolina who are often, you know, sitting there at the cap floor. Or maybe Carolina. They, they've got a... They've actually got a decent uh, they, shot he, at he has making the playoffs. Over there. <laughs> Although, Carolina's really heavy on defense right now. They don't need defensemen. They need forwards. Yeah. You know, a team that I could realistically see possibly making a move for him would be, like, Calgary. Maybe. Um, I don't know what their cap situation's like. I don't even know if they're like lacking in defense. They're they're on the top of the Western Conference right now, I think. Well, true, yeah. By the way, who expected that? Yeah. I mean, I think... like I kind of expected them to take a, a step forward this year, but I didn't expect them to be leading the West. Johnny like, Hockey has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, he's... I feel like... He's uh, tearing it up. I feel like Goudreau has really flown under the radar for a couple of years because he wasn't on a winning team. And now that they're winning, it's it's like, really drawing attention to him. He has a legit shot at being a Hart finalist this year, I think. 
I could see it. I think he's probably up there in the Art Ross conversation, too. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, uh, Duncan Keith, not likely to be moved, but that's uh, apparently the Hawks will approach him about that. Um, and then number three, kind of in the same vein here, uh, this one's actually a three-parter because this one keeps uh, turning up new developments. So uh, number one, uh, this one comes from NBC Sports Chicago. On Saturdays, uh, this is another one of those situations where Saturday doesn't, it means like last Saturday or something. On Saturday's headlines during hockey night in Canada, Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman reported that the Blackhawks have asked Brent Seabrook whether he'd be willing to waive his no-movement clause, and the three-time Stanley Cup champion respectfully said no, reiterating that he enjoys being a Blackhawk and playing in Chicago. Part two of this is two days later, after Friedman's report came out, Brent Seabrook was asked about being asked to waive his no-movement clause during a post-practice media, media scrum. In response, he said, quote, I haven't been approached by anybody, so I don't know where the reports came from. I haven't been approached or talked to about anything, so it's news to me, end quote. And then finally, uh, reached out by phone an hour after Seabrook spoke, Friedman said, uh, Friedman's the guy who broke the news initially, Friedman said, I am very, very uncomfortable with being on the other side of Brent Seabrook on this, but I understand at least once this season there was a conversation between team, player, and agent about his future in Chicago. That's all I can really say. At some point this season, it happened. End quote. There's no immediate response to a request to speak to General Manager Stan Bowman. That's... That just sounds like a clusterfuck there. Yeah, um... So Friedman, who, like I said earlier, is notoriously reliable, said that Seabrook was approached about waiving his no-movement clause. Seabrook says that he was not approached. So maybe what happened is that his agent was approached and Seabrook never heard about it. Um, but Friedman even came back and said that there was a conversation between team, player, and agent about his future. Although, about his future is a little bit more general than will you waive your no-movement clause. Mm -hmm. So, I I don't know. It it sounds like a big-ass game of hockey trade telephone. Yeah, and Seabrook, with that monstrosity of a contract, there's absolutely no chance that even if he's willing to to waive his no-trade clause... There's no one that's going to want to sign him unless the Hawks eat up, like, at least half of his salary. Right. And uh, just bear in mind, anyone who's, like, gritting their teeth listening to this right now, who's just fuming at Brent Seabrook for not willingly trading, uh, allowing himself to be traded away, it's not that he... It's not like there was a trade in place and he shut that shit down. Uh, It's more that the Hawks said... Hey, how would you like, like, you know, we're, we're retooling right now. It's going to be, it's going to take some time. It's going to be painful. Do you want to stick around? And he said, yes, I want to stick around. Yeah. So. Although, what was that quote from Patrick Kane recently when those reports are coming out about, and this just made me crack up because like, no, he can't be any more expensive. (laughs) About, um, when, like, so, they're, about people criticizing the Zebra contract, Kane's like, oh, no, he's definitely worth more than what he's being paid. Yeah, uh, Kane said... Like, oh, God, no. Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. Kane said, uh, people say he's overpaid, but we think he's underpaid, and he went on to say that, 
Uh, Seabrook's just such a big presence in the locker room and uh, such a great leader. And he, you know, uh, uh, eats, sweats, and uh, bleeds Blackhawk red. And he really is like the heart and soul of this team. So I, I can appreciate Kane's loyalty to his teammate. From a business perspective, though, it would be advantageous if we could find a way to move him for as little as possible. Um, but if it weren't for his contract, I, I, I would I, I would definitely want to keep Seabrook. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's it for the rumors. Uh, and then I've got I got a discussion question. I got a lot of thoughts on this. So let's um let's dive into this. The question is. Should the Blackhawks be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline? Now, I posted a poll on Twitter, and uh, you can click on that link that I sent you. <clears throat> and it's actually, it seems pretty divisive. Uh, we got 23 whole votes. So mm-hmm. thank you to everyone who voted, if you're even listening to this. Thank you. Um, I have to vote to see the results. Uh, so... All of the results came in at between 22 and 30 percent, and the, the 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 possible responses were buy and go for it, sell and tank, stand pat, or make hockey trades only. So, I I just um, voted, so the numbers slightly changed. Um, I'm not seeing it. Oh, there it is. Yeah. So. Okay. So looks like a tie between sell and tank and hockey trades only. And then it's also tie uh, at 29%. And then a tie for 21% is buy and go for it and stand pat. So uh, not not really a consensus here. So considering, my question for you, Abe, considering where the Hawks are at right now, uh, two points out of a playoff spot, no real hope of winning a cup, uh, getting less and less likely that they're going to be in the running for Jack Hughes or Capo Caco. Uh, what's, what do you think they should do? I think that... So I, I was thinking in the past, and I've said it before too, that they should really just sell off any assets and tank and go for a full-on rebuild. But with the way they've been playing lately, I feel like the smartest thing would be to do hockey trades. Okay. Just trades that essentially could help with the salary cap for the Hawks to potentially go after some better pieces during the offseason. Mm-hmm. So... That, that's what I feel like would be the smartest thing to do. That way, you can't really say that you're going for it, but you also can't say you're tanking because the, the pieces that you get from the trades can just possibly help the Hawks, and that would either bring us back down where we missed the playoffs and possibly land a higher draft pick, or it's enough to actually help us make the playoffs and just possibly make some noise there, but... Yeah, um, so going back a couple of months, 
you and I definitely conjectured about the possibility of uh, undergoing a full-on rebuild. And that was sort of before we saw that, you know, Jonathan Taves had seemingly found the Fountain of Youth. And that was before, like, uh, Bowman was able to flip Ruda and Manning. And that was before we acquired Dylan Strom, who has kind of become what Nick Schmaltz was supposed to be for us. The resurgence of the power play. Yeah, that was before the resurgence of the power play. That was before Colin Delia emerged as a strong candidate to replace Crawford as our future number one. Uh, it, it Really, if anything, it goes to show that we would make shit GMs because we, we look at the small picture, but you got to see the big picture. Um, but I really do think that this team is close to contending again. If we can make the right moves... Uh, if Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and uh, can you know stay young, and if uh, if maybe Duncan Keith can fight off like I mean yeah he's he's getting older he's on the downturn but like if he can if he can remain you know not a liability, uh, and if we can keep. Seabrook in some sheltered minutes like his contract doesn't need to be you know it's an albatross but it doesn't need to be uh like like a complete like Stanley Cup blue baller yeah uh if we get some depth scoring and if we can uh if we can get some more if we can develop uh Yogi Haru and Colin Delia and Adam Boquist and Ian Mitchell and, uh, you know, there's we're going to have some cap space this offseason. Uh, if we can sign a big free agent or two, then I think that we could be back in the mix uh, maybe next season, but most likely, like, 2021, we could be cup contenders again. Yeah, I, I mean, even, like, the new guys on the team that have had nice impacts like Kajula and Strom. Mm-hmm. They've been playing really well for the team since they joined. Yeah. And I feel like they're also part of the reasons why they've been playing better as well. Like having these newer pieces that just adding a little bit of more of an edge to the team, it's mm-hmm. definitely helped. Yeah. Yeah, Kajula's been good. Uh he's I mean he's he's on the top line with uh Taze and Kane right now. And uh there's there's something about the Blackhawks where they always seem to have like the the top line always seems to be like Taves, another good player, and then a guy who doesn't really produce but so, like still kind of complements that line. You know, sometimes it's Richard Panic, sometimes it's Andrew Shaw, sometimes it's uh, uh, Dominic Cahoon, but that that seems to be the trend for the top line there. Um, but to answer the actual question of what should the Hawks do leading up to the trade deadline. I kind of think they, if they can sell off some of these uh, pending UFAs like Kunitz, uh, Ward, um, uh, who's the other guy? Kunitz, Ward, Kruger. Kruger, yeah. Yeah, if they can sell off those guys, maybe get like, I don't know, like a, a mid to late draft pick, then, you know, fine. That's. Uh, then that's great. 
uh, I don't think that they should be selling, or excuse me, I don't think that they should be buying. Uh, if they stand pat, that's fine. But what I think is that uh, Bowman should look into doing kind of like what, uh, kind of like what Pittsburgh and the Panthers just did, where uh, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Pittsburgh acquired Bukestad, and Bukestad's got some term on his contract still. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that Pittsburgh is going to keep him around for, uh, you know, like medium to long term. So if we could do something like that, and maybe, maybe the Hawks do end up being like seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth in the conference this year, and we either like just make the playoffs and we're bouncing the first round, or we just miss the playoffs and we don't have a great chance at landing, you know, Jack Hughes or Capocaco. Maybe what we do is we trade that first round pick for a guy who's got some term. You know, like uh, uh, if we could find a depth forward who has three or four years left on his contract and can score 15 to 20 goals, stick him on the third line with like uh, David Kampf as the center or something. Yeah. Uh, maybe we can move Artem Anisimov for a guy with similar production who's cheaper or uh, like a guy who's the same price but has more production, you know, something like that. Or, uh, you know, just trade him straight up for like a decent like like third or fourth defenseman with one or two years on the contract. Yeah, actually, now that you say Anisimov, I'm surprised we haven't been hearing as many trade rumors on Anisimov this season compared like last season. There was a lot of trade rumors involving his name. I think it's because we haven't heard any really. I think it's because we were more desperate to clear cap space back then. I think it's also because, uh, it. I think I think Anisimov is kind of overpaid for a a bottom six guy, which is kind of the role that he's been playing for a lot of the season. I mean, he's making um, five million out of the season, so. Uh, I think his cap hit is four and a half, or like four point five five. Okay. But. Uh, like, you know, as time goes on, the, the salary cap increases and it causes this, like, inflation effect. And the contracts that are expensive yesterday become cheaper today and even cheaper tomorrow. So that $4.5 million, you know, after guys like Jay Beagle got signed for, like, what what did he get signed for? Like, 3 or $4 million in the offseason? Uh, it, it doesn't make Anisimov seem so bad. Mm-hmm. He's like a solid third liner now. He's overpaid for a third liner still, I think. Um, but also, last season, I think uh, part of the reason that Anisimov was talked about as a potential uh, trade target was because his full no-movement clause transitioned into a partial, uh, excuse me, a modified no-movement clause where he could supply a list of 10 teams to Stan Bowman to uh, whom he would be okay with being traded. Although this year, at July 1st, his uh, modified no movement tra- no movement clause uh, goes away completely, and he can be traded to anyone. So maybe what happens is after July first, Bowman considers making, you know, just a straight up hockey trade. Uh, like maybe he sends like Forsling and Anisimov to uh, like Carolina. And we get Justin Falk or something. This is a made-up scenario. But something like that happens. I could see that. And then we've got 
I, I have no idea how much time uh, Falk has left on his contract, but we've got a guy like that for one or two years before uh, Boquist, Mitchell, Yogi Haru, Bodan. These guys are, you know, like thoroughly uh, implanted in the system and they're uh, ready to help us compete for cups. Because even if, even if Boquist, Mitchell, and Bodan all make the team next year, which is unlikely, uh, you don't win a Stanley Cup with four defensemen under the age of 20. I mean, unless they're like the second coming of Duncan Keith. <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, so I was double-checking. We... Anissi Mob is still under contract until the 2021 season, so... Yeah, so he's got a little turn. I think we could use him in a hockey trade. Yeah. And then, um... Like, some of the guys we got in trades... Um, Strom is a restricted free agent in the 2021 season. Um, Perlini is a restricted free agent at the end of next season. Delia is a restricted free agent at the end of next season. Yeah. Kuku is also end of next season. Um, By the way, a couple episodes ago, uh, a couple episodes ago, we were we were calling uh, Slater Cuckoo like Slater Kokic or something like that. Yeah. Just wanted to correct ourselves uh, on the podcast here because uh, I don't know how to pronounce anyone's name. Um, uh, remember, if you have a correction for us, you can tweet at us at SweaterPod. On Twitter, and we will read your corrections on the air, unless they're stupid. Then we will not read them. <laughs> unless your correction is even more wrong than we were. We will not read those. Um, but we do want to be right. We want to uh, provide correct information at all times. So let us know if we screw up. Um, yeah, so that's, that's all I got. Um, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Oh, just real quick. We so... Got- I don't know if you checked the sweater pod Twitter. Someone re- did reply to your question about um, what the Hawks should do at the trade deadline. It's coming from mwood1229. So he res- he responded with, sell, sell, sell. Granted, the Kings won the cup, right, question mark, as an eighth seed. But still, the Hawks play against the Jet in the first round. They will get swept. And if any D-man goes down with an injury, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> that's that's all true. Um, with regards to selling, yeah. If, uh, if, if we've got the assets to move, then by all means, especially like the pending UFAs, if, if we can find a guy, uh, if we can find... I'm sure there's someone out there that would take uh, Marcus Kruger... On the fourth line, because he can yeah, he, I mean, he, he can has, defend and win faceoffs and kill a penalties. Player and he's been he's got what two Stanley Cups with us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a little on the older side. Uh, he dealt with some injuries pretty recently, but he's. I, I think you know. I, mean, I think he might be more tradable than Kunitz. Yeah, for sure. I which Kunitz could also be moved at the tra- trade deadline. So. Yeah. Um, Kruger's a, a, you know, a good third or fourth liner on a good team. Uh, he's he's overpaid because we overpaid him, 
but uh, as a rental, you know, it's fine. Give us a like a six round pick or something for him, and you know, you can take him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure he would love the opportunity to compete for another cup. So everybody wins. Anyway, that's all we got. Thank you for listening. Uh, again, if you have questions, concerns, um, uh, suggestions for topics, corrections, tweet at us at SweaterPod. Uh, you can listen to, uh, you can listen to it. Well, you're listening to us right now. But we're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. We're on Stitcher. We're on Pocket Casts. Uh, we're on uh, Tinder, Grinder, Farmers Only. Are we? Are we, on, are we on Spotify yet? We are on Spotify. Yes, we're on Spotify. We've been on Spotify. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, listen to us wherever your uh, wherever your preferred podcast provider is. We're probably on there. Uh, give us five stars on iTunes and all that stuff. Uh, give us a nice review. It really helps us. Um, it helps our visibility. We really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.